Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello and welcome to the WP Builds podcast. This is now episode 56, entitled A Great Way to Think About Writing Copy with Regina Tuzzolino, part two. It was published on the 14th of December, 2017. My name's Nathan Wrigley from pictureandword.co.uk, a small web development agency based in the north of England, and I'll be joined later by David Wormsley from davidwormsley.com, and we're going to have our regular discussion, which involves talking about what it is to be a digital nomad, which David knows quite a lot about. Then, of course, we'll have our chat with Regina Tuzzolino. Now, this is part two, so maybe you want to go back to episode 55 and listen to part one. But nevertheless, and of course, stick around for the ending fact. We have this little ending fact bolted on just before the cheesy music. And this time around, it takes about two minutes, the whole ending fact business. We're talking about negative space. Anyway, the normal stuff. Let's um, encourage you to go to wpbuild.com and click on all the buttons to share the podcast underneath the podcast player. We really appreciate the um, the people who take the time to write a review on iTunes, whether that's one star, it's a load of rubbish, to five stars, woohoo, it's the best thing ever. Thank you very much to all of you people. If you go to wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook, you'll be able to join the Facebook group, forward slash subscribe to join our newsletter, and forward slash advertise if you'd like to actually advertise on the podcast itself. Uh, we don't have a competition at the moment, so um, there's nothing to add about that. Right, let's get on to the news. Um, some of these are bits of news, some of them not so much, just talking about particular products. I would like to draw attention to Eric Ham um, and his new product called Instant IDE. Now, Eric Ham is a seasoned developer of over a decade of WordPress products, things like um, Dynamic. Um, and now he's come up with Instant IDE, which is a self-hosted IDE. Now, if you click on the link um, beneath this podcast, you'll be able to go and have a look at what it does. But basically, you install it. It's not a WordPress plugin, but you install it separately to your WordPress install, and it enables you to have a completely 100% online IDE. So you can go in and edit all of your files, and it's completely online, so you can do all of that stuff um, from wherever you are in the world. You don't need to be sat with your you know, your Mac or Windows app. It looks really great for version one. Um, I think he's probably got quite an aggressive roadmap planned. Uh, the great thing about it not being installed in WordPress itself is that if something goes wrong um, and you balk WordPress and get the white screen of death, then you're able to actually just carry on going because the install is in a completely separate directory. So certainly worth checking out. I like the look of it. Um, and, it, you know, I just think people like Eric ought to be encouraged to, to keep going with things like this. Fantastic development. Brilliant. OK, the next one, again, not really news, but this is just to say that quite a few people have been talking recently, um, at least the people that I know, about a new, well, maybe not even new, I don't know, about a browser called Vivaldi. Now, people like me have literally hundreds of tabs, and I'm not joking, open at once in my Chrome browser or Firefox. And that eats up your CPU. Now, I've got all sorts of plugins which sort of hibernate those, but the idea of Vivaldi is that you, you kind of you lump certain tabs together and then hibernate those all en masse. So you, I mean, it does a whole load of other stuff as well, but I just like the idea of it. It's Chromium based, so all of your Chrome extensions and whatnot should work, but it's over at vivaldi.com. I just think it's an, an interesting thing if you're suffering from your CPU being ground into the ground by things like Chrome and Firefox because you've got so much open. This seems like it might tackle all of that stuff. Okay, next one, WordPress. Sorry, WordFence. Um, I didn't realize they did this, but I'm just looking at a page called New Service Vulnerability Disclosure Policy. And it turns out that not only do they contact you via the plugin, but they also um, contact hosts because if they see that there's a, a recurring attack and there's a recurring problem on a particular host they they then go into their access lot their logs and um and they work out what the problem is and in some cases they then write to the um the host and say look you've got to fix this they would then also write to you and say 
you really should get off this host because it's not, you know, it's not doing the right thing and it's setting things up in a poor way for WordPress. It might be some simple things like file permissions and so on. But anyway, I just thought it was fascinating that they do this. I've, I've never been contacted about this um, because I run my own servers and um, never had the need. But I just think that's an interesting service that they provide and just worth reading, perhaps. Turns out that Google, the talkmag.io website, um, describes that Google had quite a hefty presence at WordCamp US. Now, I won't go into the reasons, but it does explain why um, Google has aligned itself so closely to WordPress and what they're up to. But I just think it's interesting that WordPress and the giant leviathan that is Google um, seem to be um, joining forces to some extent. It's not anything particularly deep, but if you're interested in Google and you're interested in WordPress, this might be um, an interesting article for you to read. Right, the next one. Um, <laughs> I love this. There's a WordPress card game. Uh, it's on Kickstarter. And believe it or not, um, loads of people, 67 people have backed this so that it can come into fruition. Oh, my goodness me. Go and check it out. You know, it's got all of the if you're a nerd about WordPress like I am. The, the chances of you in wanting to buy this are quite high. The problem I foresee is that you've got nobody to play it with because there's literally nobody in my close proximity who would even understand what the card means. But if you're into this kind of thing, go check it out. I think it's quite fun. And lastly, this was put in my direction uh, by David Wormsley. I'll drop the title and you can go off and read it yourself. It says, Why the Research Against Sliders is wrong and then in brackets and they don't suck i'm not even going to tell you what it says but if you hate sliders go and have a look and see if it changes your mind <laughs> right let's get to our discussion this week which is between me and david talking about digital nomadism and then of course please stick around for regina tuzzolino's part two of her um, discussion, I suppose, is the best way of describing it, about web copy and how you can do it in a new and innovative way. Turns out part one was really popular. Thank you for all the nice comments. And hopefully part two will, instead of it being more theory, it's now more related. To, this episode is more related to how you can actually implement her 12 point um, process and get good copy on your website and how you might do that. Anyway, fantastic episode. I really hope that you enjoy it. Thanks for listening once again. Right, today's discussion is going to be centred around the topic of can you be a digital nomad and a successful web designer? Now, David is, I believe, exactly that. Now, not really focusing too much on what the word successful means. Um, David, you are a, a digital nomad. What I mean by that is you don't really have a fixed abode. You kind of migrate all over the planet. Um, do mm. you think that your career as a web designer is is well suited to that lifestyle? Or do you constantly run into frustrations and problems that you wish didn't exist uh, for example, somebody like me with a, you know, a home and a mortgage and all of that, are there things which make it easier for me or are there things that, you know, you, you would never give up? Yeah, I think, well, yeah, I think there's pros and cons with it. Do you know, I'd never change things and I decided I wanted to travel and that's what I did. And in a way, the web designing kind of came secondary because even though I'd been doing it for quite some time as a hobby, I didn't think that's how I was going to do it when I made the jump. And I started doing more professional web design just before I started moving. But yeah, there's been some challenges along the way. But you know, I'm not the only one. I mean, there's, I met up this year with um, Clark and Tegan from Blue Dog Digital. I think I've got that right. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, yeah. and um, they, you know, they do the same thing. They move around from place to place. Often staying. I think they do it more than me in a way because at least I spend mm, the majority of the year in goer in one place and uh, it's usually sort of four to six months that I go on travels with my wife to various places and then there's a lot of traveling but yeah well there is an advantage the first one is if you're at home paying a mortgage and you've got all these financial commitments the big thing is living cheap if you're going where I'm going suddenly 
you know, what you need to earn suddenly is reduced. I think we, we, sh- we should point out that you're, you're earning in uh, pounds sterling, are you? Which mm. then converts very favorably to uh, the cost of living in, in India. Exactly. I mean, cheating the system, isn't it? You, you go and find somewhere where you're living for something like a quarter of what you need to pay in the UK or in the US. And, you know, you still got potentially the, the same income coming in through your clients. So, you know, that's a big appeal, isn't it? Where do you pay, was, where do you pay tax? Huh, to the, well, the business for me is UK. So, right. so my tax returns go there. Um, I mean, potentially for me, I could change that around because I'm an overseas citizen of India now right? due to my wife. But for most people, that's how it's going to be. Um, and, the, and the other thing, of course, is the beauty of it all is, you know, choosing the weather you like when you're traveling around. I mean, I, I don't see winter anymore. Oh, it, <laughs> you know, it's so beguiling. The idea of basically what you need is a, is a laptop, isn't it? Oh, I suppose you could mm. even divorce yourself from that and go and sit in a, in a in a location where they provide the computer. You know, if you have all yeah. your infrastructure worked out and you've got all of your, um, you don't even need an IDE, do you? You can have online IDEs now and so on and so forth. Yeah. And obviously with the advent of WordPress and things, it's all just held on a server somewhere. Um so it, yeah. it is totally possible. Are, are there any things which um, become practically, well, not impossible, which are m- much more difficult for you because you're um, else, you know, away from where the where your clients are, for example? Or is there anything about it which just doesn't fit right? Mm, well, it, poor internet connections. One, you don't know what internet connection you're going to go as you're traveling. Right. Some places are better. I mean, there's one, you know, again, with Clark and Tegan mentioning them, you know, they're, they've left Australia where their internet wasn't great where they were. And, you know, they're going to places like Thailand and spending a lot of time in Vietnam. And the internet is so much better than where they were. So, <laughs> this, <laughs> you know, but for me, <laughs> even though our my London internet wasn't that great, you know, it's really poor in Goa most of the year. So I, I save a lot of jobs until I'm on the, the, the move. You right. know, so doing all my backups, I can't do my backups uh, on my work here because it's, well, it's expensive actually to get the internet here and it's poor. So there are some downsides on that. I think in terms of clients, there's obviously the time zone. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, five and a half hours ahead I am of you at the yes. moment. So, yeah, that, that makes it a little bit tricky. Well, we've but, encountered that just doing this podcast, haven't we? You know, the timings mm. are, are, are really can be quite crucial you know if i'm i've got to do things mostly in the morning and you do things mostly in the late afternoon and that's kind of worked out quite well over time but if you if you had clients in the, let's say that you were living in india and your clients were in the united states especially on the west coast that's yeah. almost insurmountable i would have thought unless you work a support ticket system but i don't know if a support mm. ticket system in this job would necessarily get much done if you were trying to design a website yeah, I think you need to change. I mean, that's one of the things that Clark did when he was deciding to do this is that he thought, I'll do less of the custom work. And he tried to set up and spent more time on doing these kind of DIY sites where they're the support for those DIY sites because he thought a more productized service would be better because there's less contact. But, I mean, as it turned out, it went kind of the other way. He got customers for the, the custom stuff, and it kind of worked out. They they understood, and they in fact, they were – they loved it, didn't they? They loved to know mm. what they were doing. Yeah. So they they got they got on board with their problems, Did, you know. And, no, sorry, finish. I apologise. No, I had actually. Yeah, that oh, was okay. it. They but they enjoyed. You know, they would accommodate mm. Clark. You know, well, that's um, really helpful, isn't it? If you've got clients who are as as accommodating as that, are there any um, are there any sort of qualities that you've had to either rediscover or invent in yourself? in order to be successful at this. I'm imagining that you, like patience, I know that's a silly one to, <laughs> to, to talk about, but, you know, things like that. Do, have you discovered things that, that you've needed to, um, yeah, rediscover? Yeah, I, it's changed me, definitely. Um, you know, in India, it's, you know, if you're a Westerner coming to India, it's kind of overwhelming because people, it's a different culture. They behave differently, put different priorities on things, certainly Timing isn't a priority in India. 
it's uh, you know it's that's imperialist isn't it kind of talk to to mm. set everybody to a clock so you get lots of frustrations in your general life i think so i've had to learn sort of patience or understanding or recognize what's going to be a problem also i think you know with the travel side of things you know it's quite tricky i i'm if I'm going to go to a place, I'm visiting it because it's new to me most of the time. So I want to go and visit that place. Yeah. And then I find myself torn between going out with my wife and exploring and doing some work. And so I really, when I go traveling a lot, this is when I'm not such a successful, well, I never was a successful web designer in my terms. But <laughs> I get by. <laughs> I get by, but I do less work when I'm out because, you know, I, I can't have it gets overwhelming if i if i'm suddenly have to be stuck in for a whole week when i've moved to a place because the work's there for the client you know the joy of traveling has gone so yeah. i think it does you're pulled between one or the other you must have to have a certain level of discipline i mean obviously um life is take india as the example life is um i'm guessing significantly cheaper so if you want to uh just just sort of get on then presumably you don't have to do uh like a five day a week nine to five in order to to make ends meet you've got the option to to have way more time off because Mm -hmm. you don't need to earn as much but then on the other hand you've you've still got to take the work when it's there and i i personally would find that really difficult to be disciplined in the face of some new and exciting thing now in in your case you go somewhere in in goa you stay there for a really long time, so you you really get familiar with it all. And so presumably the urge to go out and explore absolutely everything around must must dwindle over time. But at the beginning, yeah. if you were dotting around, you know, one week here, one week there, I'd find it really hard to say to myself, no, no, I'm not going to go out and enjoy the sights and the sounds and the culture. I'm just going to sit here. Uh, <laughs> I would just find that really hard. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, one of the things, well, actually, there's a few of the problems here, I, I think, you know, that there is a laziness that, that comes. I'm really, really lazy. Um, so I, I, I don't take on that much work knowing that I've got this kind of buffer. I don't need to earn so much. So, you know, I work on the fact that I probably need, let me put it in dollars, maybe about $10,000, $12,000 would be the maximum I need to do a lot of traveling right. with my wife, right. you know. So that's. That's a, you know, and to be honest, if I just stayed in India here, you know, I could be almost getting that down to about seven to eight thousand dollars. I could live off of a year. So oh, you can per really year. Be okay, picky. yeah. Wow, you really are yeah. able to survive for a long time with very it's, little. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you're kind of smart and you, you know, just you know, don't spend too much. We're not, unfortunately. We do spend a lot of money on our travels and going around. But you know, it. Yeah, so it takes off that pressure. And I think that's a, the real benefit. As This is the benefit, I think, as being a designer. When you've got that pressure off you, you can accept the work that you like doing mm. and set the, set the terms a little bit more. You know, if, you're, if you've got to make your mortgage every month and you've got a job coming in, you're more likely to, to bend to a client's wishes because, you know, they're going to pay you. <laughs> I, I guess so. You have to have a... a... Uh, how to describe this you you couldn't just leave or maybe you mm. could i don't know could you just leave the country as a complete beginner and establish yourself as a web designer or mm. do you need um a system of leads coming in so that you've got clients who can then you know obviously recommend you on to other people before you leave because it would be very hard wouldn't it having no experience before just thinking to yourself well what i'm going to do is i'm going to go and work in a bar for six months save up a load of cash and i'm going to be a web developer i'm going to pack my suitcase off i go right i've got to india i'm going to do my first website well where's that coming from yes yeah i do know i talked to a guy um i won't say his name privately who i think has done pretty much the same thing he he took his year out in in thailand and he's he's now come back and uh he's you know been working he's been but he did have that difficulty he obviously got distracted by his travels as well Mm. and as as we was joking about earlier we are talking to the young people now aren't we on the podcast yes yes (laughs) the youngsters the youngsters (laughs) anybody below the age of what 42 or something. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, it is a a thing which I'll bet you lots of people are drawn towards this. Because there's not many careers where Mm. you can do what you're doing. There's very few. 
I would have thought you could you I can't really conjure up any in my head at the moment where you can leave do work and be anywhere you like that's phenomenal you know I'm just thinking of a set of jobs here a plumber an electrician a teacher um somebody that works in a bank you can't you're confined by the geography um and you've managed to break out of that which is utterly brilliant do you think there'll ever be a point though have you ever grown weary of the constant shuffling about and thought actually do you know what bit of stability for a while bit bit of waking up in the same place and having something to call my own that that you know it's not a a rented bed and it's not a rented sofa and all of that kind of stuff do you ever have pangs of that yeah all the time well but Mm. in a way what's shifted is that you know i don't see uk as my home i went back for you know just over two months and i was homesick for goa which is where i'm spending most of the year still so in some ways i and as soon as we go on our travels as exciting as it is I, I'm really, you know, by the end of them, I'm so desperate to get back to that place I recognize. And we've been staying in the same place really for five years, even though we've actually moved apartments. We're, you know, pretty much everything we know is close to us. Mm. So there is that familiar familiarity, you mm. know, which helps. And I think that actually is really important. I think if you just go off, you know, with your rucksack on your back and you think you're going to just travel the world moving every day to a new place, you just probably won't do the you need to be a little bit introspective, don't you, when you're doing web design? You need that time to settle down and and think. Yeah. And you can't, and you can't do that. I don't think with a constant travel. And I think again, we're back to Clark. He's the same with that. They they don't like the travel, or at least Clark doesn't like the travel. He he likes, you know, they go for somewhere for a few months, and that becomes their home. Right. Quickly. Okay. Mm. What well, I mean, for one of the things which attaches me to my work here is is all the paraphernalia of it so as an yeah. example where i'm sitting at the moment i've got my mac and my mac's my mac's on a stand so right away the stand's got to go i can't take the stand i've got a spare keyboard um i've got another monitor i've got a few lights dotted around i've got some manuals over in the corner and a printer i've got a mic yeah. on a stand and a router and you know all of this sort of stuff now presumably you must have stripped that down to just bare minimum what what's yeah. what's your toolkit that you let's say that you're going to go off for a, a month somewhere what do you put in your bag and take with you as a digital yeah. nomad yeah well there's me and my wife and we both try and get it in uh, under 7k i mean we'll wear a lot of our clothes <laughs> so <like> michelin <laughs> men <laughs> padded up with everything oh 7k for everything not just the technology well, yeah, the tech, well, we try and get that in a bag. You can usually allow two bags, aren't you? So we yeah. try and do it so we don't have to check in our bags and save some money most of the time. So we are down to our uh, one laptop, which is just 15-inch screen laptop for me now. Right. And and I've got my mic that I do this with, which I can stick in a sock. And we can pretty much do it. And that's it. I've got a little cam, uh, webcam thing, which I still wouldn't need for client work, really. They could manage on my laptop one. Um, so it's really down to the bare minimums. And, and you're right. You know what? I couldn't get beyond that because when I was, before I set up on this, I built my perfect office. It had a beautiful table and everything. And I still get envious when I see people showing off their workspaces. <laughs> <laughs> but and, and even when I came to Goa first time, we, we, we brought a big bag and I brought my monitor. So I, at least I would have two screens Yep. But, you know, it blew up, blew up. That's one thing that happens when you're on your travels. Things can, you know, the electricity isn't always as stable as you'd like. So it blew up. And I've since then I've managed. And there's a real freedom that comes with that. Oh, Just saying yeah. I can work on the one screen, the small screen. Yeah. What happens, you know? though, in the event that something goes wrong? As an example, I don't know, eight months or so ago, my, my Mac uh, died. Yeah. The hard disk gave up and it really actually properly gave up. Um and so for me, it was a quick trip down to the local um, shop where I acquired another hard disk. And, you know, there's a Mac person in town and uh, we got it, all the time machine stuff, got it all working again within a, within a matter of hours. But for you, that, that kind of stuff is a, is, a, is a danger all the time. Yeah, I'm not so sure, actually. You know, oh, I've good. had stuff. I've Yeah, I've had stuff fixed very quickly in Thailand. There's always somebody who'll do that, and it's very cheap. But also, I mean, when I actually bought the, the Dell computer I'm using now, when I got to India, and it's got, you know, very cheap terms as well for the insurance, and it covers you worldwide. And, and in India, when I've needed it fixing, they've literally come to my home within 
you know, um, hours. Oh, wow. <laughs> and wow. fixed stuff. So it's better than the UK. Wow. Uh, Some guy shows up to your house and mends your computer. Yeah. Oh, I know. It's... That's much better. That's great. <laughs> but, um, yeah. you know, has, has anything catastrophic happened where in a regular normal life like mine, uh, yes. that thing going catastrophically wrong would have just been a minor blip. But for you, it was a complete crisis. No, I don't oh. think so. It's just my monitor really upset yep. me when I thought I could not go on a single monitor and a small one. Mm. Um, that felt like a blip. And I couldn't get a replacement for that kind of monitor. No. That was affordable. Well, but like you said, every cloud has a silver lining. It turned out to be better. Exactly. You've now ended up with a smaller little package. Is there, um, yeah. is there a sort of personality trait? Um, do you have to be a, a loner? Do you have to be a, a sort of go-getter a um a problem solver is there anything that you've um <laughs> sort of drawn as a conclusion of oh this is part of my characteristic I, I would love to do what you're doing and i've traveled quite a lot so i know within me mm. i don't really care about um being alone for extended periods of time it doesn't really matter mm. to me but is there anything that you've noticed that makes a good digital nomad a quality nah. i don't know actually i don't think i don't think i'm typical of one for one I'm, I'm with my wife all the time and I, I just could I don't you know when she goes away even just for a few days or something I miss her and feel alone so I don't think I've got that in me and I think anybody who's you know who can't I used to like being on my own but I don't think that's what's helped me in this particular venture so yeah I, I'm not so sure about that one whether mm. you can I think it's helpful but you know what the, this is the thing isn't it what I see and I feel a bit envious sometimes that I see there's lots of these um, shared workspaces you see, particularly in places like Thailand, where it's very popular with digital nomads, where people find other people doing exactly the same thing, doing web design, you know, quite easily. And then they've got a social group straight away. Right. Yeah. You know? And obviously there's there's communities that forge naturally um, in, in, for example, in my town, yeah. there's loads of little digital groups that, that meet up and go to the pub and all of that kind of stuff. And I guess you're going to you're going to miss out on that a little bit, possibly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm the opposite of a go-getter, though, because, I, I mean, this is one thing, if you are thinking about doing it, to be honest, we had a 10-year plan to go and leave and live abroad. You know, we thought, you know, let's save up some money while we're doing our job, and when we've built up that money, we'll go off and do it. And well, we, we scrapped that one and just jumped into I got sick of my job. It was boring. And I thought, let's just go and do it. And it's not like me to do that because I'm a cautious person who likes to know what's going on. But for somehow I just reached that point where, and I think, you know, I've heard other people say they sometimes you just got to jump and hope that the net appears because it generally does. Mm. Oh boy. Right. <laughs> well, you've made me sick with jealousy. <laughs> 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 oh dear yeah it's something that i would i would love to have in my life again but but i you know not to sound too glib about being a loner and all of that kind of stuff i i couldn't do it because of my family i wouldn't i wouldn't want yes. to do it there's a big part of me that holds it as an ideal it's a bit like watching the the adverts for holidays after christmas mm. you're desperately thinking oh i'd love to do that but it's okay that you don't as well so i'm happy yeah I'm you're happy we're both happy. <laughs> and, on, yeah. and on that note, we should probably stop. Yes. Okay. Well, let's do that. Okay. We'll we'll wrap this one up, and um, yeah, we'll we'll hand you over now to our our interview for this week. Hello, we're back, WP Builds listeners. Um, we're on part two of a two-part series um, with Regina, and I, and I hope that you listened last week because. Um, well, essentially, I think it would be important for you to go back and listen to last week's episode because she spelled out very clearly um, the the idea of breaking a story down into 10 or 12 parts um, in a way that I'd never really come across before, breaking it all down to, into its component parts. And, and it, was a, it was a lovely... Um, it was very a very erudite piece by her explaining her life broken down into those parts. Now, the purpose of that... It uh, wasn't necessarily so that we could um, find out about her life, but was to discover how we might break down um, an unmanageable amount of copy and make it interesting for people mm -hmm. to read and compelling. So this week, the idea is we follow on from that. We've now got our 12 bullet points, if you like, and we're going to find out how on earth this might be uh, related to web copy. But first of all, um, welcome back. Hi there. 
Hi, thank you. You're welcome. Um, now, first thing I'm going to say is, for me, I find web copy is is a, a poor relation, I, or at least it is in terms of the client's eyes. I find mm-hmm. it very, very hard to to compel clients to take it seriously, to write mm-hmm. something serious, to employ mm-hmm. somebody uh, to write web copy. Essentially, it tends to be a process left right until the last minute. Um, mm-hmm. And then somebody who is able to write, including, you know, they can actually do punctuation, gets given the job. Um, <laughs> and what I receive is usually not very good, but after yes. toing and froing, it ends up on the site anyway, because mm-hmm. that's the best that they can manage. Okay, so I guess my first question is, why does web copy matter so much? Is it really, really important, or is it mm-hmm. just something we should leave until the end? It's so important, and I think the problem, what I've noticed, the problem with anyone, with clients, uh, with even your average reader who reads a book, a lot of times people don't know what what good writing is. So they look at bad copy or they look at cop, you know, it's, it's I hate to say it, but let's face it, most people can't really write that well. Mm-hmm. They think that they write that, that they can, but they can't. What happens is they write, uh, they become really long-winded. Uh, they, they use like three adjectives where one that says three things should be used. They just don't have the vocabulary. They don't know the nuances. And the biggest thing they don't know is they don't really understand subtext. And I, I studied fine arts. Uh, first, I studied journalism. And I was like, oh, I love writing, but I love art. And then I switched to fine art. So I basically have a degree in communications and art. And from there, I went into design. And I realized, wow, I can combine writing and visuals and they should be combined for websites you should understand how they how both work now the problem the problem is most people don't know how to do both so absolutely web copy is crucial to making a website engaging because yes a lot of people go to a site and the first thing they see is is it beautiful but they also want to know what you're giving them what are what are what are why are they there you know, so if the photo, uh, if your image can say that at a glance, fantastic, that's what you need. But you also need that call to action. And that's one of the hardest things, I think, for people to write. You know, how do you com- compel someone to call you? Well, one of the problems, I think, that happen, it, the biggest problem, really, is when people say, okay, well, I have all this stuff I have to say. And this is probably what you're encountering when you create a mm-hmm. site, or most people encounter, and that's why they get those walls of text. You get a client who says, well, I, there's so much I have to say. I do this, I do that, da, da, da. Well, this is where the, this this hero's journey can really, can really come in and help. Because, and, and there's other ways to do it, too, which I can, which I can get into. But you really need to have that that knowledge of how to write a story and of course you have the beginning middle and end but you but but you have to you have to tell them this is what i'm this is what i'm selling you but it's not it's not a hard sell it's instead of this is what i'm selling you it's this is what you need and this is what i give you know and yep. that's how it works but that's the hardest thing you can't really teach that in a podcast or or just with a note or two. It really does take, you know, studying. You really have to study it. And it's its own thing. And every type of writing has its own uh, set of rules. And I think the closest thing to web copy, in a way, is is screenwriting. Yep. Because you, you say you have to say so much in a in a in a line or two. Yeah. It's not like writing fiction. If you if a writer who's writing a screenplay puts a paragraph down before there's <laughs> before the, the um the character has a has speaks, it gets thrown away. They don't even look at it. Because it's an it's what an amateur would do. Yeah. And I think the same thing happens with web copy. It's uh, like an amateur will write too much. I think I think one of the I have two problems. The, the first problem is that the client's basically don't submit anything um mm-hmm. you know that they, they literally think that it, it's my job to create the content mm-hmm. um or they send either too much or mm-hmm. something which is too short so mm-hmm. and it's never been thought through it's literally right. just somebody who's banged out 
okay, there's a space there on the wireframe, so we'll write something that fits into that space. And there's been no thought to it. Now, mm-hmm. what, what came out of last week's episode is this, this process, this story. Now, I'm guessing that this, this process, this 10, 12-point uh, process of writing a story has been fine-tuned over millennia. Mm-hmm. So that it engages people, so that it sucks you in. Because mm-hmm. as you were going through the 12 points, I was thinking of two or three different stories, um, mm-hmm. actually films. And I was mm-hmm. thinking, OK, yeah, it does this, it does this, it does this. And in, in each case, I am drawn into the story. I'm compelled by the story. And, you know, and mm-hmm. if somebody comes in and says, can you just come and do this? Fact, no, no, I want to get to the end. <laughs> now, I presume that you're deploying this same strategy in order to persuade people to keep people on the site to get them to the end whatever that end goal is so could you in a way yeah okay go on yeah I was gonna say could could you talk through that mm -hmm. process yeah yeah so in a way so really I don't want to confuse confuse anyone so the the hero's journey I think where it comes into web copy isn't the copy per se that's on the website okay instead it's how do you get your client to come to to come up with their brand identity right. to come up with their brand message? Because the reason their copy doesn't work is because they don't know that yet mm. and they expect you to know it. So how do you know it? The only way you can know it is for them to tell you in some way. Now, I'm having a journalism background. A lot of the time I sit down with a with a client on a Skype session and we'll just talk about it. And I'll just say, hey, I'm just going to type. Don't mind me. If you hear clicking, just tell me about your brand. You don't even edit yourself. I'm just going to type the bits that I think are important. And, you know, and we'll, I'm going to go from there. You know, but that can be really time consuming if they haven't already at least sort of outlined it. Right. So I think with the hero's journey, they can think about it, you know, not their life. I mean, sometimes their life their life uh, story is really connected to their brand. But if it's not, they talk about their brand as the hero journey, right? It, and and, the, and let's and I'll I'll walk that through you if, through with you now if you'd like. Is, yeah, okay. is that something that Yeah, okay. that'd be great. Okay. So the so the ordinary world the ordinary world is it can come in a couple of different ways when you're talking about somebody's brand. If you're talking about their wanting to know their brand history and their brand uh, identity, the ordinary world would be, well, what got you? What got you where you are right. today? You know, why did you start this company? Because to sell your brand to someone, the person wants to to like you. Ingenious, they want to think yeah. that you're, yeah, because there's a ton of other people out there who have a similar similar product. So you really want them to like you. You want, and to do that, they want to know a little bit about your backstory, your world. So that's where the ordinary world comes in. It's basically, well, I would ask a client, you know, well, what were you doing before you started this business? And, you know, what, what compelled you to start it? And, and usually that, that ordinary world, they start talking about it and, and, and it, and it helps them come up with their identity. Right. So, you know, that's, that's the, the biggest thing. So the next thing after that would be, what was your call to adventure in the hero's journey? So what made you decide, I need to start this company. There's a need out there that I need to, to fulfill not just my need, my you know, that my, the, there are these potential customers out there who have a need that uh, I can fulfill. And you find that people engage with that very, very readily, do they? This, this, this type of format yes. to work with? Well, no, yeah, that, that they, specific they, point, the um, why I began the whole business, people... People like that. I'm I'm drawn to it. I'm th- I'm thinking. Yeah. Oh yeah, I would. It just feels like something I would be sucked into. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, they actually like it. So here's the thing. Like, you know, you're not going to necessarily put that on your landing page, but this is what you're asking your client to provide to you, so that you can help them develop their brand I- identity. Got it. And. And for me, it helps me come up with a brand slogan. And um, sometimes they, they already kind of give you this information, but I feel that to, to give them these steps, it's easier for them to then fill out, oh, here's step one. Oh, where did I begin? I began here. Here's step two. Well, what got me interested in starting my business? Do you know what I mean? Rather yes, than yes. having them having them trying to 
to, to create the tree, you, you give them, you know, all the branches for them to hang things yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, yeah. So then the, the call to the adventure and that, you know, that, that tells me a little bit about why they got started, who they're trying to, you know, sell to. Um, now here's an interesting thing that usually comes in to play for a, a blog post or their Facebook page or their about page. People don't realize this. They leave this out, but it's really important. And this is important too for people who make videos uh, on YouTube. Um, uh, I'm talking not about a how-to video, but a video uh, series. A lot of the time, they don't realize that a viewer and a reader want to know what did you overcome. They want to root for an underdog. Yes, they want to try. Yeah. They want to see, they don't want to know that this was easy. They want to see that you overcame some fear. So step three is overcoming fear. And that's in every film and it's in every story uh, because it endears you to people and it makes them, it makes them love your product even more because it wasn't just handed to you. It didn't just happen so easily. It, it, you know what I mean? It really yes, worked. Oh, completely. I, I yeah. always root for the underdog. <laughs> 100% of the time, I'm drawn, for the, drawn towards the underdog. And I think getting a client to really think about that is going to help them with their brand identity as well because it just it helps them flesh it out. And even if you don't, even if you don't end up using that, in their about page, uh, it, it they'll they'll at least have thought of it, and it will come to play somewhere. You know, it'll come to play when they talk, because someone will ask them eventually. Yeah. Well, so, then, you know, so yeah. yeah. I mean, this whole process is it's not about explicitly sucking information out of the client so that that bit is going to go here on the site and that yeah. bit's going to go. Here. We're just getting an idea. We're getting an idea of um, what what might go on and and making a slight subtle reference here, there, or to, to the underdog status and the journey and the struggle mm -hmm. is going to be important when we finally put it all together. Okay. It, it is. Yes. And the, another interesting thing about overcoming fear is it can give, um, there's always a nice, there's always a, there's always a good uh, reason to put in comic relief in anything. And sometimes <laughs> yeah. the over, right. And the mm -hmm. overcoming fear is that is that opportunity? And I think uh, if you recall when I when I mentioned uh, my part about overcoming fear, that was my part. That was my uh, uh, way to put comic relief because I said, you know, working with theater people is intense. You know, emotions are raw, and uh, you know, I think I said. Uh, Basically, uh, emotions were raw, and especially if critics pan the show, and that's what happened to me. You know, so it's 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 a bit of a like you can laugh after that because it's, you know, it, it, it's the um, it's overcoming the obstacle and the fear which people kept yeah. sigh of relief. But it's also like, yeah, this wasn't easy for this person. You know, it, they overcame it, and you know, it was. It, I mean, I didn't get into exactly what happened, but it was pretty funny when it actually happened <laughs> because because oh my god, the 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 emotions were so raw, and uh, I don't know if you've ever worked with theater people, but especially after a show, oh my gosh, I, I, there's nothing more raw than that, you know. It, it, it's just you just have to watch a, a film or watch a play about theater, and yes, you'll know no, what I, I confess mean. I haven't no. <laughs> But yeah, so that that's one of the things that helps. And then meeting this is this doesn't necessarily have to play in, but it's good sometimes for the client to think about well, who influenced you in 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 um, uh, the hero's journey is called meet, meeting the mentor. And it's basically the person that, you know, influenced, uh, let's say who influenced your client. And this can be helpful for, for, for you to know, because knowing who influences them, and sometimes it can be their competitor. This helps you write better copy for them because you know, uh, it, it gets them to talk about who they want to emulate. Um, it gets you, you know, they can, you can ask them for e examples like, well, what have they done? You can look at their websites, you can look at what they've written. So asking them who their mentor is or who their biggest competitor is or who are they influenced by, that definitely helps you That's as a really as a writer. Clever. Mm -hmm. I've never done anything like that. That's really smart. That's brilliant. <laughs> Sorry, I've interrupted. 
No, it's great. Look, hey, getting the you know the feedback as I talk is is fantastic, <laughs> especially because we're not really face to face. So it, yeah. it's great. <laughs> so yeah. So then the next step. Um, now this, I'm not so sure if this. Not the crossing of the threshold per se would would maybe be important to to talk to your. Okay. Um, Skip that I mean, one. <laughs> you know, it, I guess you can ask them what. How do they commit? What is well? You know, it, yeah. I take it back. When you think of it as asking your client, what is your commitment? What is your commitment to your to your brand? So actually, it okay. is very okay. important. Yeah. yeah, it's called crossing the threshold, which. At face value, you think, oh, what does that have to do with anything? But what it what it's really about is how the hero commits to leaving the old world and entering this new world, which it, in this case, it would be how is your client committing to their brand, committing to their customer? That's actually really important for mm. them to state. Yeah. So from there, um, the next one is... Um, Oh, this is probably the one. Allies, ordeals, and new conditions. That's great for their for their backstory. It's great to know, um, you know, I guess just how they navigate it, how they how they function in their business. It might not be not it might not really factor into their web copy, but it could be in it could it could factor into their social media for but sure. It, but it's good for you to have this information to hand I think and it's to, good. to have understood um yeah. to understood their story and yeah, yeah. I get it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's good to know um basically the allies ordeals just to just to kind of go back really quickly. It's I guess it's how was the your client um how were they ever tested? Actually, you get you get asked this on, on on job interviews. How were you ever tested, and how did you ever sort it out? Did you ever have a challenge, yes. and how did you ever sort it out? Yeah. So yeah, you know, I think for the about page or for their social media, it can come in handy, and and especially if they ever want to give a speech, these kind of things or make really really fun speeches. They're always in TED talks. Um, you know, overcoming things like, you know, how were you challenged and how did you, how did you, how did you resolve it? Yeah, I often throw portfolio pages together Mm -hmm, with this mm -hmm. kind of concept in mind, you know, um, here's, here's an obstacle that my company faced and here's how we, here's how we doubled their revenue or or whatever it might be, you know, so I I can see it fitting in there nicely. Absolutely. Actually, Actually, once you said that, it's crucial. Yeah. I mean, I think it really does play into the before and after. How did you resolve a client's? How did you fix a terrible website? You know, how did you how did you fix something that you know the client has given you that needs fixing? Even if even if your brand, I've isn't seen some web developer sites. Uh, that is mm-hmm. to say, people who are web developers, their, their businesses, and they've turned they've turned the portfolio pages into 3000 word essays because they've explained in fantastic detail mm-hmm. with you know clever clever iconography and graphics mm-hmm. um what the what this what they fix for this client so knowing wow. the backstory and really really understanding the problem and it felt almost like this process a journey mm-hmm. a story with a resolution at the end so yeah i think i think we could squeeze allies or deals and con- new conditions in nicely yeah yeah, I think that works. And then getting towards the end of it, um, you get to nine and ten. Uh, I guess how are you? It would have to be with how are you dedicated? What are yep. what, how are you dedicated to to doing this? Um, and how can you grow? You know, how is your business growing too? I, I see that as part of that. Um, so that's considered big changes and new de- dedication is what that's called. And then the last two is. Um, this is just how films wrap up. I mean, the resurrection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, um, but the final one, the elixir, is definitely what the brand is all about. Yes. It's what are you providing? What are you sharing with others? What is that one thing that makes you different from your competitors? That's your elixir. And that's that's really what you come that's really the final thing that you come up with after they've gone through all those steps. You really do get the essence of the brand. You know, you could call it the elixir. Yeah. You know, literally never before in my life have I given this level of thought ever to copy. Not even close. Uh, To me, it's (laughs) been a process of 
well, here's an empty box um, that you must fill in and it's on the About Us page. So you must write mm-hmm. about yourself. Well, please mm-hmm. get, get on and do it. Um, I've I've never successfully managed to persuade any of my clients to use a copywriter. I, I know I have at various points in my career bumped into and, and got the, the names of various copywriters, but I've never unfortunately been able to push work um, in their direction. Is there anything that you could say um, to people like me so that I can say to my clients, look, this is why you need to employ a copywriter. Is there any kind of metrics that you can bring to bear or just just oh, an anecdote right. that can explain, you know, I matter. My work is going to be important for your business's success. Yeah. Well, I think it's the same uh, thing with uh, design. I mean, I think in the when websites were first being built, you had somebody's nephew or niece going in there and doing a really terrible design and eventually people realized you can't do that. It's, it looks horrible. You can't put those colors together. You can't have that. You cannot have that kind of movement uh, happening. It's distracting. Eventually people figured it out and they have to figure this out with copy. Now it, it matters tremendously because if someone isn't getting your brand message at a glance, and if someone isn't, doesn't like you and doesn't believe in you, they're, they'll, They'll just leave the page and they'll find someone that they do like. And the problem is, I think, is that people need to realize if you didn't study writing, I mean, the way that I came about with these steps was because I studied not just journalism and not not only do I have a marketing background, but I studied screenwriting. I mean, I, I know writing. I know it through and through. And not everyone does. So if you haven't studied that, even if you've only just studied creative writing, it's a world of difference between creative writing for, I don't know, a short story and web copy. If anything, screenwriting is the closest thing to web copy that I that I've ever seen. So I would say for for me, uh, you need to employ somebody who really understands that how how to distill your backstory, your message, your tone of your brand into compelling short copy. Yes. That's what your website needs. Yes. And believe me, I mean, and you know this too, most people don't know that. Even most copywriters don't know how to do web copy because they're writing for brochures and brochures can have these really long pages, you know, just I don't think they're great, but but you can get away with it. Um, And then a little short page here. And I encountered this recently um, with with a website uh, where they had a copywriter doing that. And I said, you can't do that because now you've messed up the design of the page. The design ah, of the page is, or cool. is this beautiful little grid. So I had to basically say, I'm going to have to edit this, you know, and, and, and <laughs> we're going to have to change this. So, yeah, it's. It, it, editing is actually the hardest thing because it's easy to be long winded, winded and just write and just, you know, blab it all out like a blog, like the blogs of yore. But nowadays, everyone wants things. They want copy to be really crisp, concise, get to the point and take them on a journey that they understand. Yes. You know, yes. really come and come full circle. A lot of people don't understand that the last step of everything you do has to come full circle. And that's that's what compels them to take action. Yeah. They, and that's what makes them believe what you're, what you're talking about. So, so in the first episode, when you, what, you told us about your, your journey, um, mm-hmm. you mentioned that you'd begun fairly recently playing around with Beaver Builder and mm-hmm. Ultimate add-ons and so on um, yeah. and creating these websites. Are you now um, trying to move away from that and concentrate solely on the... Uh, the copy side of things, or are you still happily juggling those two things at the same time? Well, I prefer to uh, I prefer to work with a web uh, developer designer and work with them and do the copy for them. Right. But in a in a lot of cases, um, you know, with word of mouth clients that I have, small businesses, I think my friends that are doing these amazing websites these small businesses can't afford them. Yep. So I might, I might actually still be doing small sites here and there. Um, but I prefer to just to focus on writing. And I'm also, 
I still I'm still pursuing um, screenwriting. I want to get back to that. Then this is an interesting thing, not just screenwriting. Oh, Hollywood screenwriting. Good luck with that. It's not just that. It's <laughs> it's screen screenwriting for for videos, for brand storytelling. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. And, and yeah. now. Yeah. And now with VR, uh, virtual reality, I have friends that are in that industry. I'm like, OK, I need to start writing for VR. You know, so I'm I'm playing around with the stories that I've written on my own and thinking, you know, I'm going to write some stories for fun for VR. I'm going to write, uh, I'm working on a a documentary. Um, it's it's kind of like a biography of my father-in-law who was a, who was a a war orphan in world war two. Um, and I'm just going to, I'm going to do these videos and video scripts on my own and use them as calling cards as, uh, as, as you say in the industry, as, as spec scripts to show people, this is what I do. Yeah. I can write a brand story. Here's a brand story here, brand storytelling. Here's one for VR. Here's one that can be a brand story. This is about an artist. Um, this could be about you. This would be about your brand. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to venture more and more into writing Great. when I can. And if I need bread and butter, um, small websites here and there, I'll do that. But my goal is to give sites to Paul Lacey, who's now my my ally, you know, yes. from uh, from the from the hero's journey. Step and, six. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> right. That's that's my that's my big goal. That's my that's my big picture. That's the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> part, part three. Um, um, utterly, utterly fascinating. So, I mean, I guess one big question I've got is, are you are you currently available um, for receiving new work? Because I, I think. Hopefully, some of our audience will have been all of their interest peaked by what you've talked about and realized that, oh, yeah. oh boy, you know, there, there <laughs> she is. She could take this burden away from me and I can impress upon the clients or even get you to impress upon the clients how oh, important yeah. this aspect of, um, of, of web development is. Are, are you, oh, are you um, available for work? And if so, do you want to give us some details about your, I don't know, your um, email or your website or your Twitter handle oh, or whatever's sure. best? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I am definitely definitely available for web copy and and I love screenwriting so if you if you're working on uh, brand storytelling for a commercial or even you know um, uh, speech writing you need if you need your brand story told I'm familiar with all these different formats so that's what I do my website is pagebreak.info okay it's p-a-g-e-b-r-e-a-k dot info and uh, yeah, I don't have my my scripts up there because they're things that I actually am still wanting to redo and resubmit. And I may even be doing big picture, wanting to to, to make one graphic novel at some point. Uh, but I can give snippets if people are interested uh, of different things that I've written. And uh, the I was semi finalist for a 2015. Um, Screencraft short screenplay competition, oh, well done. and uh, the judge, uh, one of the judges, is a judge of um, uh, Cannes Film Festival shorts. So it's a pretty big yeah, yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I got really great notes on that. Um, you know, the, and the thing that the only thing that they didn't like, and it was in the vein of Black Mirror, uh, they said, "Oh, why is this?" Why is the ending so sad? I'm like, duh, Black Mirror. You know, <laughs> that's the, the new ending thing. is supposed to be make you clutch clutch your heart and say no, <laughs> you know. So, uh, but yes, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so that's what I do, and I'm absolutely open. Um, I I welcome uh, any writing jobs because I absolutely love it. And um, yeah, one of the things I mentioned too was ghostwriting. Uh, uh, I'm not interested in ghostwriting anyone's novel like, or anything like that, but ghostwriting in your brand voice for your social media. A lot of people don't realize that their social media, um, when they, whenever they write something, it sounds like an ad yes. all the time. And um, so if anyone needs uh, to be on forums or, you know, uh, engage, they can't, they can't have that voice. Their voice has to be uh, um conversational and uh oh and the other thing too that a a lot of people don't realize is you can reach a huge audience um with cross-pollinating uh articles which is something i do and that's um talking about 
things that relate to what you do. And this right. is not a web designer or developer, but your client. If you have a client who is a um, jewelry designer, and I did this for a jewelry uh, importer, I wrote an article about, uh, you know, women um, business owners who are working in sustainable business because that's what she does. And uh, because it was cross pollinating, everyone was sharing it. Oh, look, this I mentioned in this article. None of the other businesses I mentioned this, but none of them were her competitors, you know, so it was perfect. So she, you know, she got a lot of, um, you know, a lot of views yeah. about her business because she was, you know, in it, too. So things like that, that's just marketing strategy and how I tie in mm. uh, brand storytelling with that. Well, I have had my eyes thoroughly opened. Um, <laughs> I think they were probably entirely shut before, to be honest, um, about this whole depth to uh, creating copy for websites as, as much as anything else. I've really enjoyed it. And thanks for coming on not Thank once, you. but twice. Um, oh. <laughs> and, and I really, really hope that some of our audience take take away the message that, that there is an importance to this. And it's not my process, which is just here's a box, fill it in. Um, <laughs> and that you, uh, you know, you reach some new connections. Um, as always, um, if you want to connect uh, on in the WP Builds Facebook group or in the comments on the bottom of the uh, podcast episode, uh, oh. then I'm sure that you'll be getting involved with that and, and uh, com committing and co communicating. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I would yeah, like I would to say. Yeah, I would love to get comments. Yeah, great. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That's, that's marvellous. Uh, so a big thank you. I know that where you are at the moment, it's about quarter past very very late in the morning or early in the <laughs> yes. morning and uh so thanks for staying up and joining us and i'm going to say goodbye see you next time thank you bye 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 and today's ending fact or term is negative space which is also sometimes called white space and not to be confused with the css property which is white space property although it's it's all kind of the same thing but it's an Overlooked principle in design, well, this is what Wikipedia says, but I love what they use there. It gives the eye a place to rest. So by putting space around elements in design, it kind of makes the whole thing sort of feel easier on the eye and allows you to attract attention to key things by putting space around it. I think it's one of those things that as a when you start out in making websites, you want to cram everything in as much as possible and you do learn to mm. make things breathe and give them a bit of space. It works really well on desktop. If you want to draw attention to something, make sure there's plenty of space around it, like like a button or something like that. Less so on mobile, because obviously the screen real estate is much smaller, but still you can use it in sort of horizontal bands. But um, yeah, interesting that we've come to the point nowadays where most of us spend ages looking at the screen. So it's quite important to even if it's, yeah. it's fairly subliminal to give your eyes a bit of a break from all of that tiny text. Um, but, but interesting also that the, the old forms of media, the newspaper and the magazine, they, they try to use it as little as possible um, because yes. there's no scrolling. You've just got the page. And so typically newspapers are just rammed. And, and I find them quite hard to look at a newspaper. Now I much rather read my news on the screen than from a newspaper because I find it too D too busy yes. on a um on a on an actual newspaper in my hand yes i think negative space is getting used more and more or there's more and more space i think because i think we get so much information that a page that has seems to have little on it seems to be a joy to look at these days yeah i, I usually go for white negative space but yeah the interesting good little term mm. david right should we um should we end this one and go to the cheesy music which is going to be yeah. fading in so i'm going to say goodbye from me and it's goodbye from me david Wolsey. bye bye